You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and supported by the Western Weekender. For three decades, Penrith and the Blue Mountains have turned to the Western Weekender. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Here is your host, Matt Pointing. About seven years ago, Brenna Tarrant told her family she wanted to play AFL just like her cousin. They thought it was just a fad. But after two years and a few decent tryouts, Brenna signed up for her local club. The 13-year-old had no reason to believe she could make a professional career from what was still very much a male-dominated sport. But that all changed with the inaugural season of the AFL Women's League in 2017. By then, Brenna was playing representative footy and could now clearly see a path ahead of her. Last year, she was drafted by the Melbourne Demons capping an incredible rise through the ranks and beginning a new stage of her impressive football career. She joins the Passion and Perspective podcast to share about her journey, the challenges she's faced and what lies ahead for her and the women's game in such an uncertain time. Tarrant, thank you for joining us on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm going to start with a question about the moment you were drafted. Usually we associate a lot of fanfare with the draft. There's ceremony, there's the whole thing. Your experience was a little bit different when you got drafted. Can you share with us what happened? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, the whole draft process is a bit different between men's and women's so obviously the women's is so new so it's very different um, for starters but I was actually in the middle of all my HSC exams I think I'd done my English and my maths exam or something like that and I was I had the day off went into school and studied for my agriculture exam that was the next day Um, but at the same time it was obviously draft day so I had my laptop up with the draft on. It was very hard to study, uh, mind you. Lucky I love agriculture, so it wasn't that hard. But um, what we were in the library, just in like this little corner room, and obviously the library is supposed to be quiet. And we were sitting there for, you know, quite a few hours. It The time ticked on and the draft, like picks went down and down and down. And I had a bunch of draft picks that I could have been taken at starting at 26 going all the way to 72 Um, and I was sort of crossing the numbers away every time it went past and my name wasn't called out and it was just kind of like a patience game really trying to study not so successful and then we got to pick 72 and I was sitting in the library I was like oh my god this is my last pick like what what am I going to do and then next thing one of my well now she's my teammate um alicia newman uh went up and called called my name out uh called me brianna um something i'm used to not many people say my name right anyways but um called me brianna tarrant i screamed um and of course the whole library heard me and a few days before there'd been a snake in the in one of the meeting rooms so my librarian just assumed that there was a snake in our in our um, room, but then no, oh, coast was clear. It was just me getting drafted. 
And that the video that your friend was taking in the library got a bit of traction, didn't it? You, I think there was a story in the Daily Telegraph about it and it sort of, did it go a bit viral? Yeah, actually the next day I think it hit like Channel 9 on the Today Show or something like that, just what's trending and just a quick little snippet of it. And anyway, the librarian, she saw it. She saw it on the news and she kind of hates me now. She said she has to take speaking lessons. <laughs> you said that you had several picks that you could have gone to different clubs. How did you know yeah. that those were the picks that could have been you? How did that, can you talk us through that process? Um, well, I mean, I was sort of lucky enough. I'm one of, I think, 47% of female AFLW players that are actually contracted with a sports agent. Um, and so my agent had done a lot of um, talking with the Victorian clubs because I nominated for Victoria based off, you know, just some outside back stuff that happened in New South Wales. And I just thought, oh, why not move to Victoria? And anyway, so I could only get picked up by any Victorian club. So my sports agent actually got um, the picks that he thought I'd go at. We didn't expect for me to go in the top 20, considering not many of the clubs knew who I were. And we I just had them written down, stuck on, on my laptop and just as they went past, crossed them off. And yeah, it was just based on clubs that we'd sort of had a positive uh, feedback from um, at the draft when I had my club in, um, interviews. And we sort of just worked it out with my agent. He gave me a few numbers from uh, the pick we thought I'd first go at, at pick 26, um, through to around the 72. He didn't think I'd make it past 72, but clearly I got right up to that. So when that moment came, when it, when it got to pick 72, what was your feeling? Were you thinking, was it fear? Was it anxiety? Was it stress? Was it, this has to be it? Oh, I had, I was a real mix, like mixed emotions at, at around, I think, pick, when we got to the picks 50, I think 53, 54 was the Demons' first pick. Uh, they actually took uh, one of my friend's friend, who I'm obviously now friends with, and I sort of just felt it fading away a little bit, but I guess you've got to have hope. You've got to think this is my chance. Either if my name gets called out, I have a chance at playing AFLW footy. If it doesn't, well, I have to wait another year. And I was just kind of like trying to just clinging on to hope, really. As I felt like I was just hanging on by a thread, nearly. And when that moment came, when your name got called out, how did your life change? Did you prepare yourself for that? Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, there was a recording that um, AFL New South Wales ACT did take when we were down at the combine and they're sort of calling me a little bit of like a um a mind reader or I can read the future because I said I know I'm going to be at the library studying um if my name gets called out and I know I'm going to scream and I know I'm going to cry and I guess that happened not saying I predicted the future I just knew I'd be studying <laughs> but it's been a it's been something that I've been striving for before the AFLW competition even started I guess before it started, they had these trial matches between the Demons and um, Western Bulldogs down in Victoria. And that was always just, I just aspired to play for that. And then obviously a comp started up and that was just where I wanted to get to. And five years worth of football 
came down to that that period and I just kind of nearly hit my head in the ceiling not really just being sarcastic um, but yeah I was just absolutely over the moon I knew this was my chance to actually take my game and to a new level and face some new challenges uh, in a new state so I was I was over the moon I can imagine it and I mean you you just mentioned that it's been five years of build-up to that point yeah and um, I'm going to jump back to when you first started playing AFL for Emu Plains. That was, you were 13? I think I was, it was like 13 or 14, something along those lines. I'd actually originally been wanting to play since I think I was maybe nine um, when I was actually up watching my cousin play football up for Blue Mountains Kangaroos. And there was a girl playing who I ended up becoming friends with. Um, and I was sort of like, oh, I want to play football. Mum was like, no, it's just a phase. You, you'll get over it. And then a, a little youth girls sort of camp um, started down at Emu Plains. And we were like, oh, mum's like, may as well get the phase over with. Um, I'm not sure if it's still a phase. Uh, <laughs> get it out of your system. And, and you ended up playing for five, six years. Yeah, it's a very long phase, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> When you when you started playing for Emu Plains and then eventually East Coast Eagles, did you ever conceive that you'd be playing for one of the big Melbourne clubs, and that there would even be a league, an AFL Women's League? Uh, I I guess at first I never expected there to be a league. Like I said, I'd sort of seen some of the women's um, exhibition matches before, like the men's ones uh, between actually the Melbourne Demons, my current club, and the Western Bulldogs down in Melbourne and that was what I aspired to do um, and try and like play in an exhibition match in front of a crowd uh, and then I think it was this, in my third year of football they announced that was in 2016 they announced that there was going to be a comp and I was like oh my gosh now I can, I've, I've got something to I can play professional football if I really put my mind to it so uh, and then I just kind of just really aspired, worked hard, and then I guess the dream came true while I was studying for agriculture. And when that um, the announcement was made that there was going to be an AFLW competition, where were you in your footy career at that point in time? Was that a moment for you where you thought, okay, no, this can actually be my career? I think I've always, I'm kind of, I've kind of had that mindset of like that little kid who wants to be like a superhero, wants to be a professional sports person. I've always wanted that. I've always wanted to take my sport to a professional level. Uh, and then I sort of got into playing football and I loved it so much. I loved the team environment. I loved like the attitudes and the just the way the girls were acting. You know, it wasn't like a lot of female sports where there's sort of a little bit of like clingy groups and stuff like that. Everyone was just kind of united. Everyone was one. You could just go out and tackle anyone and they didn't really care. But I think, what, 2016, that was my first year of national. So I actually did the schools um, under 15 youth girls team. So I was already in a national team by then, still with the dream to play in an exhibition match. And then I uh, sort of found out that there's, actually going to be a comp a paid comp for women so I was I was sort of you know deciding on do I want to do this I was trying to figure out obviously I can't do this full-time at that stage because it wasn't actually a comp and I was going to have to find something else to do and then 
a league started and there was just a whole new dream to chase. This is the Passion Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's the Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, the Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. takes me on to my next point women's sport generally and especially AFL and cricket and soccer have undergone a hugely positive transformation in recent years you know we can see the, the development of leagues there's a greater media spotlight uh, there's a lot a big injection of funds into those uh, codes but what's come with it has been what I would call maybe an undertone of misogyny and quite nasty reaction from some elements of sports fandom, I suppose. Yeah. Sometimes those things have even become the story themselves. You know, I'm thinking of the Taylor Harris story last year, I think it was. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that as an athlete in a sport that was dominated for so long by men? Um, it's been a big thing, women in sport. Um, obviously, you've got a lot of feminists and guys who don't or people who don't like the idea of women playing um men's sports and I guess you know they had their own opinion that's fine um but I guess women's sport has grown so much um it's been absolutely insane like I remember the first year that uh the women's AFLW league had undergone I think it was 2017 so I was 15 going on 16 and I was actually at my Giants Academy training and the women's GWS team came down to train and I was speaking to their ruckman, Erin McKinnon, and she's like, oh, I've got a pay rise. I'm now earning like eight grand. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's not a lot. That's obviously you've got to do something else. And I did have to do something else. But even then, the pay increase has absolutely jumped. It's It's got insane. And even in the women's soccer the Australian teams earning the same pay as men so you can see it uh, getting bigger it's growing at such a rapid pace because a lot of people do get behind it I see so many of the men's the supporters for our men's team come to our women's game and I actually spoke to one of the fans um, at the end of the game against West Coast that I actually debuted in and um, they're sort of like oh if you girls make the finals we're not going to go over to Western Australia and support the men. We're coming and supporting you girls because this is the first ever finals you've ever been in. And at that moment, I was like, this is what women's sport has come to. People are getting behind it. And I just, I just was amazed and I like almost cried. Um, obviously it was a very emotional day that as well, but um, it's just sort of a realization that people really do want to get behind women's sport because it's footy anyone wants to watch footy um, now you get to watch it for an even longer period with women's footy starting in February and then the men's finishing around September um, but obviously you've got people who find the women's boring they don't find it as fast as the men obviously we're a very different build to men's but that's their opinion they can like what they want um, obviously sometimes they choose to voice it 
um, 8K in the Taylor Harris situation uh, with the photo, but so many people supported her, so many people are supporting women's football, and I guess those, there's more people supporting it than people aren't, but those people who aren't, that's, that's, their, that's their choice. They can support it if they want. I'm not going to hold anything against them. Um, a lot of us women playing our profession, our sports respectively are just going about our own business. Like they can put all the hate out they want, but, you know, we're just doing what we love, really. We don't really care about how much we're making. We just want to play footy. Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective. And I think um, it's also an awesome story about the fans wanting to stay in Melbourne to watch you. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment, but I want to ask you, where, where would you like to see the game grow and go to in the next, say, five, ten years? What things have to change for the game to be, to be even more equal and to be even better than it is now? Um, there's a few things, and we have actually been in um, conversation with that, with um, the AFL, we call the AFL Players Association, so it's just the that's where we kind of get in contact with the AFL and where the players can sort of voice opinions and stuff like that. And they'll come out to the clubs and uh, sort of talk, you know, what, what can we do to make the league better? Um, already we're seeing massive jumps this year. We, we had four teams introduced to our own league, uh, Richmond, St Kilda, West Coast and Gold Coast. Um, so I think, the few things that are left really is to have a full 18 team league. Uh, that's the first one. So having those last few clubs um, join, obviously we need to focus first on growing the game, finding enough talent. Um, but then we need to, you know, look at introducing the women's sport into some bigger arenas, getting more people down to the games. Um, and then, obviously pays in it as well because obviously a lot of us are juggling full-time jobs and part-time jobs and stuff like that so we can't be training full-time on such a small amount of pay there is like an idea potentially about playing the women's games before the men's obviously we have to wait for a full 18 team league what about media exposure do you think the game gets fair coverage it it sort of does to be honest Obviously, the men's and the women's are played at different times of the year. A lot of the women's football does actually get streamed on Channel 7. We do have a partnership with Channel 7 where they'll play, I think it's four games a week of AFLW footy, and then the rest is on Fox Sport. And the men's is fairly similar. I don't think a lot of the media interview was what the girls are super worried about. They're just kind of, we want to train full time. We want to um, have a full 2022 round season we want 18 teams and stuff like that we just want a lot of equality really um media is pretty good uh yeah that was the other one actually having a longer season but they are trying to do that um if the season runs again next year um it'll be a nine game season uh, instead of eight and then the next year it'll be 10 um and then hopefully it gets bigger and bigger as more teams get introduced something that was completely out of your control or anyone's control this year. AFLW was, of course, cut short by the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. How have you, how have you and, and your teammates dealt with that blow? Because you were, you were gearing up for a semi-final and it was cut short. Yeah. Um, look, I think when you, depending, no matter the circumstances, if we played or not, we were going to be travelling. 
Um, we were supposed to actually go over to Western Australia to play Fremantle. Who were the best team in the comp, right? Six wins, no losses. Yeah, six six wins, no losses. So um, that would have been a very interesting game to uh, play, I reckon, because you've got two of those teams that are sort of competing against each other for that top spot. And obviously Carlton's in that as well, who Fremantle was supposed to play in the last uh, round of the eight-week season. Of course, you know, things like the coronavirus and that have happened, um, nothing in our control. We did have a phone call around 8 o'clock that Monday night um, before we played GWS, um, just deciding that we all voted on what we wanted, what we'd sort of like. We knew that probably the best thing for the team, for the league to, you know, have it, pretty like reasonably fair was to just miss out on the last two rounds and go straight to a final series that's if we had any chance of potentially playing it through we didn't want to go straight to a grand final um we wanted to be able to compete a little bit more for it which we got the opportunity to do but obviously everything you know now we're having to take day by day it's not something that you can sort of think about over a few weeks. You know, you can play a whole season. No, now we've got to cut it. Now it kind of has happened over that week, weekend. Uh, we got all the games through and then the things just kind of hit a whole new level and we just had to stop it because uh, airports were shutting down, uh, borders were closing. So we actually really had no way to travel. And we did obviously have a very close win against GWS and we were actually then due to fly over to Fremantle and play the Dockers the next week, but everything just had to get shut down. And I think the next day um, I headed back up to New South Wales. So it was just a real rush. We kind of didn't have a lot of time to celebrate. We had our best and fairest over a Zoom call, but I guess we just had to be professional about it. We just had to see it was the best for the community. Uh, yeah, we're a bit upset, but you now we came off a good win. So it's our premiership. We're only just starting to see some leagues get back to training full time, but that's for the that's for the full time professional athletes. For yourself as a professional athlete, but but having to do a job on the side as well, do you think it's a lot harder for you? Is it a lot tougher to get through this crisis? And and is your vision for what's going to happen any different? Do you think to say an AFL men's player? Look, I mean, I was pretty lucky with my whole training and work life balance that who I was working with was very understanding of my situation. They were more than happy to have me on board. When it came to me having to leave so sudden, I sort of head home. Um, who I was working with is closed at the moment. So I did have to sort of look for a job because I'm, I mean, I'm only 18. I'm still looking for my first home, my first rental, or I guess whatever I want to do. If I go back to Victoria, I don't really know what, um, what my future is looking like at this stage. Uh, my contract was only a one-year contract. Most AFLW players only have a one-year contract. Uh, some have two years, uh, but it's really uncertain. I'm not sure um, what Melbourne are looking at. Um, we, I guess I just kind of have to hold it. I hope do all everything I can to stay fit, stay strong um, in case I do have to go back for a um, the Victorian Football League season, if they decide to resume. But yeah, I really don't know. I'm, I guess, 
we're all trying to be positive, hoping that we do have a season next year. We're gonna we're not gonna be getting paid as much, so it's we're gonna have to look for a full time, part time job. Uh, but I guess we're all trying to be positive. We all just really want to play again because uh, we're all just really missing it. When you think about going back to the sport and to Melbourne, what things do you draw on or look back to that keep that fire going inside you, that keep you driven and passionate and wanting to get back there? Do you look back on highlights or is it your teammates? Um, I think it's a bit of everything, really. Um, I've sort of been keeping in touch with some of, you know, some of the girls. Obviously, we had our best and fairest night, I think, last. Wednesday or something like that. Uh, so I got to sort of see a lot of the girls online. I guess I have gone back and watched uh, a few, like the three games that I watched. Um, we've done some match reviews on how we can bet, better improve from this year and how we can go on to a potential next year. Um, I think my main goal and what I'm really looking forward to or what I'm really trying to aspire to if the season goes through next year is I mean I only played three games this year with a 30 33 I think player squad um just kind of I, I want to play football again I want to play it at a high level I want to play a full season not just three games so I'm just trying to up the training as well as juggle a, um, a job and that's really just what I'm what what's keeping me going and just watching the debut game over and over again. Is is that is that the career highlight for you so far, the debut game, make it, running out for your first game for the Demons? Uh, yeah, I think the debut game was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I guess, you know, getting drafted is one thing, but actually getting drafted and playing is a whole new thing. Obviously, I have had some good accolades in my five six year career I guess um and you know getting under 18s all Australians and stuff like that but you know that's one thing playing professional footy on live tv with a massive crowd um right before a whole pandemic um hit us uh was just absolutely amazing I kind of forget the whole what actually happened I remember getting stuck in the banner I remember everything like at the end, I don't really remember anything that happened while I was actually playing. Uh, but no, it was definitely, it was probably one of the biggest things that's ever happened to me. It was just so surreal, really. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's the Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, the Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. There are, I'm sure, um, a bunch of young young girls playing footy in the Blue Mountains and Western Sydney who look to you now as an idol, who see your success and moving through Pathways programs and then getting drafted and then playing a game, not just a game, but three games in the AFLW. And they aspire to do what you've done. What would be your advice to those girls? I actually have had a lot of, I've had been in conversation with a lot of the girls because I've actually been friends with a lot of them. Um, previously through academies and stuff like that. And I did actually 
um, join a Zoom call Monday night, actually just sort of giving them, speaking to them, you know, telling them how you, how to make it the whole way, like what I did, what you can do and stuff like that. But I guess, you know, you've just, if you have that dream, you shouldn't be holding back. If you want it that bad, you should be doing everything right. You should be doing all the training, watching games, doing match reviews on them, seeing what went right, what went wrong, all those little things, just a little 1% is recovering right, training, doing those extra running sessions, doing all those extra little things give you that, one, it gives you some reassurance, um, and two, it's just kind of gives you that step ahead of those people who don't really want it. Because as I guess my mum sort of told me this little quote that, what is it? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. If you have the desire, if you work hard, you're going to beat anyone who just thinks they can just sort of plot away and just play and go to training sessions. It's just kind of reaching for the stars at the moment and, yeah, just do it, just doing everything right, really. And I'm going to step away from footy for a bit and ask you, outside of footy, what keeps you going? What are you passionate about? Um, I mean, obviously, I've always been a very sported person, but I've always loved nature i've loved being with animals and stuff like that i guess that's a good thing i live in the blue mountains because i can go out and explore a bit um no i love like farm animal wildlife everything like that i like love to get out and go on bushwalks i guess that's the good thing about being in isolation is that i can get out and go on as many bushwalks as i want um but yeah just kind of getting out climbing trees i love i loved I studied agriculture at school and I've just been, I've, I loved it to bits that I kind of wanted to take it as a bit of a career choice potentially going um, down a animal or land welfare and stuff like that. But no, I, anything I guess to do with nature and being outside, I, I love, I love it so much. Just going for a swim, find a little water hole. That's just what keeps me going really. Is, is further study in agriculture something that's down the track for you, do you think? Yeah, um, I've, I've really enjoyed studying agriculture and I was actually fortunate enough that one of the girls in Melbourne with the demons actually works on a farm and has, I think, 260 heads of cattle. So I've got someone to relate to while I'm down there and I've had a bit of a chat to her, seeing what she's done. And I guess, you know, she, she loves it out there and that's something that I love as well and I'm you know looking looking down a something in agriculture whether it's yeah on a farm or in national parks or anything like that it it kind of gets me away from sport it gives me a outlet what have been the biggest challenges that you've faced so far in particularly in the move to Melbourne what have you found to be the most challenging thing um Definitely moving away from family. Um, I love my family to bits. They've been so supportive of me, I guess. I had the luxury of my dad driving me around to training and everything like that. Obviously, I didn't have that moving down to Melbourne. I did actually move in with a, a cousin for the first year, but I guess I didn't have my mum, my dad, my brothers, my... Oh, my brother, sorry. Um, I don't think dogs count as brothers, but um, I didn't have my grandparents my cousins or anything like that so I was kind of just really isolated from my um, immediate family my closer family 
I guess, moving away from friends. I was very lonely <laughs> down there. I didn't really have anyone to go and hang out with um, on a day-to-day basis because a lot of the other girls that I was training with were also working. Um, I did have the luxury that I was just able to transfer work, so that wasn't too much of an issue. But just whenever I wasn't working or training, just what do I do? I kind of was really lost. I didn't really know my way around Melbourne because I've probably only been there twice before I moved. Yeah, that that was probably the biggest challenge, just not having family, really. I kind of had everything else but family and the Blue Mountains. You mentioned that the Aussie Rules club culture is different to any other sports, really. How did the football club culture with the Demons help you through those challenges? Um, I think, firstly, my coach, Mick, he was like a second father. He understood what I was going through. Obviously, being an 18-year-old who moved down to Melbourne literally two days after my school formal, um, he knew that I'd sacrificed a lot, um, which ended up going through the girls. They knew that, you know, I've been going through a lot. I had a lot um, that I was missing um, in those first few uh, weeks. Um, but they were kind of just, they just acted like my second family. They were there uh, whenever things got tough. Obviously, I got to go home for Christmas but after that I just didn't really know when I was going to see anyone again so I was really emotional um but the girls were just always there if they had some free time they'd oh do you want to come grab a coffee they'd sort of show me Melbourne and that's sort of what I've always found that any team that I was in whether it was up here whether it was just a club team a national team a professional team stuff like that everyone was just nice they were helpful I guess we kind of a lot of us sort of knew what we were talking about, especially when we when I got down to Melbourne because a lot of the girls had moved states. There were actually, I actually had two girls come from Ireland um, in my team, so they kind of knew what it, they were in the same boat as me in a way. Um, obviously, they were on the other side of the world, but, you know, there was I wasn't the only one. I wasn't just stuck down there by myself. I knew that I did have a second family to go to. And your coach um, at the time, he came up after you drafted, right, and saw you at home in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, we'd actually, on the same day as the draft, Melbourne actually did sign um, a, a new major sponsor. So he was like, oh, I'll, I'll come up and meet you because he had, the first time he met me was at the draft and the only real thing that we were there to talk about was footy. He had no idea where I was from. He didn't know my family. He didn't know really anything about me. And he was like, well, she's one of us. May as well get to know her family. They're a real family club, Melbourne. And he was he chose to fly up. He hired a car, drove all the way out to my house um, and just met the family and then drove back that day and back home. So we, he did a lot just to just to meet the family and see where I was from. Yeah, it's pretty special. That's a, it's something that I would guess would be pretty unconventional, but pretty special for a coach to, to show that level of commitment to, to his players. Well, I think that's the thing as well. Like, obviously, he's committed to the girls. If he's going to do something like that, I guess that for, like, the first thing my mum said um, after he left was that, you know, you're, you're going to the right people, you're in the right hands. 
um, when you go down to Melbourne, they're going to understand you. They're going to look after you, um, obviously. And we sort of knew that they came down because we did have a family training session. Mum, my brother and my dad came down um, and she was, mum sort of, and dad sort of said like, you know, they really get you. Um, Mick's so good for you. He's so, he doesn't yell at you if, you know, you do something wrong. He was just always really understanding. He knew that I had made some sacrifices to leave home um, at such a young age. So, but I guess, I, I always see it as I'm getting a head start in front of everyone else. So, Jumping around a bit here, but I asked you before about kids today looking at you and, and seeing you as an idol. Who were your footy idols growing up? Uh, I mean, I, I sort of had a lot of idols, both in the men's, the women's and other sports. In, in terms of the AFLW, I was coached by the now captain of the GWS Giants, Alicia Eva. Um, and she was always, she was also a great coach to us when we were in our under 18s. And she's always been someone that I've really held highly. Um, she's, she's so nice. She, again, she sacrificed a lot to move from Victoria up to New South Wales to play um, for the Giants. So there's something that we sort of are very similar in. Um Obviously, one of my teammates, Daisy Pierce, who who doesn't idolise her, honestly, um, to sort of go through pregnancy, having two kids, and then come back and play football and be the captain again. She's gone through a lot as well. Um, she's now got a family, um, and she's you know sacrificing a lot to play football as well um, as myself. So there's some more similarities. Um, I always loved the way. Um, Isaac Heaney from the Sydney Swans played. I just thought he was very swift and stuff like that. I, he was just um, really cool to watch. Uh, and then I've always, because um, I've, I've done things other than football, clearly I've been a swimmer, I've cycling, netball, that sort of stuff. I always love watching just some of the swimmers, um, a breaststroker, Brenton Rickard. He was always a great one to watch. Uh, who else? Sally Pearson, all those sorts of girls. Girls, guys, I know I just, I had a lot of idols. There's too many to name. And if, if you were to set an example for for kids, I've already asked you what you would say to them, but if people coming through the ranks, coming through the Pathways programs could look at you and say, yeah, Brenna Tarrant, that's the kind of player I want to be like, what sort of characteristics would you want them to associate with you? I think the main one, I've always tried to stay, well, I've always wanted to be really grounded. You know, I sort of, before I got drafted, I was like, I don't, I never want to be that player that's really up themselves that thinks that they're better than everyone. Because um, unfortunately, you do get a lot of that when people do become professional athletes. I never wanted to see myself as that person. I never wanted to see myself higher than another person. Um, and that's just like one thing that I've wanted a lot of people to see me as a very grounded person, someone who's just as human as as everyone else um I know I've actually had things similar to that I did have um on social media I did get a message from one of the Melbourne fans and I replied back to her back to her and she was just shocked that a professional athlete replied to her and I was like why we're we're all human like 
you know we may have more followers but that doesn't that doesn't change anything um I've just always wanted to I guess sort of keep in touch with everyone I don't want to lose lose who I am um and that's just something I've always wanted people to see I want people to see me as another person really um as as another human being and someone who hasn't just changed because they they became a, a professional athlete really that that's the main one obviously I I play for one of the reasons I love playing football and playing at the level I do is because I got the opportunity to live my dream and not a lot of people do unfortunately and I like to see it as I'm playing sort of for those people who don't get that opportunity um but yeah they're they're probably two of the main main things well I reckon that's a great place to wrap up because I think it's a perfect way to put it So, Brenna Tarrant, I want to thank you very much for being a part of the Passion and Perspective podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and I wish you all the best in the future with the demons. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Again, I did say it at the start, but it was um, great to get online and have a chat. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and proudly presented by The Western Weekender.